Hello, friends, and welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I am so excited to be your host today. My name is Kristen Carey, and I am thrilled to be spending time with Dr. Carl Lehman. Dr. Carl, thank you so much for being on the Living Truth Podcast with me today. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. You guys, let me tell you about Carl Lehman. He is an amazing board-certified psychiatrist with over 30 years of experience and 40,000 hours of clinical experience. His passion is integrating Christian principles with brain science and medicine. And the reason I came across Dr. Carl's work is uh, through his Emmanuel approach, which is not just an inner healing prayer modality. I do absolutely love that aspect of it, but it's also learning to approach life from a point of view where Jesus, who is God with us, Emmanuel, is actually his living presence. We are perceiving it and experiencing it on a regular basis. I have to tell you, uh, Dr. Lehman, I have had multiple experiences with somebody trained in the Emmanuel approach where I've been the recipient and it's been profound. Okay. Yes. And then I've watched most of your videos and gone through that training and I have been practicing it with women, especially women who are recovering from the impact of sexual betrayal. Yeah. But I've even had like, I had a friend in crisis a couple weeks ago and she was so distressed and I did an Emmanuel session with her and it, she twice, and she had profound experiences with Jesus that anchored her soul for the trial she was going through. It's just so amazing. I love it. It, it is. I am. I feel so privileged and honored to be in the middle of it. I mean, I, I feel like uh, the most important piece of, of it feel like they're gifts from the Lord. I mean, I don't feel like I'm some kind of genius that invented it. it, it the, the, the biggest piece to start with was the clearest experience I've ever had of feeling like I got revelation directly from the Lord. You know, I was, I was just um, profoundly stuck, <clears throat> profoundly stuck with a number of my clients who had just the most difficult situations. And we've been working session after session after session, not just from, I mean, for like, a, like 50, 60, 70s. We had been working every week for years on certain key traumatic memories that just disrupted their lives. And we had, I, I mean, this, this was already, you know, 20, into, 20 years, 15, 20 years into my career. So I, you know, I, I had a lot of experience at that time. And I was yeah. using every tool I knew from prayer ministry, from the McNutts, from Theophostic, from EMDR, from all my psychiatric training. And we were just, it, we could not get this to move. And one day I was in, I had a number of these people uh, this day. And somewhere in the middle of that day, I was in one of those sessions and I just said, Jesus, I know you can heal this person and I know you want to heal this person, you know, and we can't, we cannot figure out how to do that. Can you please, you know, please help us. What, you know, what can we do differently? And immediately, I mean, just one of the clearest, strongest experiences I've ever had in my life of sensing a direct response from God was this clear thought, just uh, take a break for now on just trying to press into the traumatic memory and help them just spend time with me, help them, oh. help them experience my presence and just spend time with me. And that, you know, the long story short is I hadn't even, um, I had not learned yet that at that point about the brain science stuff about capacity Yeah, that, you know, that um, 
all kinds of systems in the world have capacity, like a, a bridge, a, a footbridge has a capacity for 20 people, but not for a train. I mean, you, if you look at, if you see a little wooden footbridge and somebody wants to put a train across it right away, the person, anybody would say, that's a bad idea. Yeah. You, know, you have a one gallon bucket and you try to put five gallons of water in it. It, it doesn't hold it. It's, and in the same way, emotionally, spiritually, and even neurologically, if you try to go into a traumatic memory that's too big for your, like your personal, spiritual, emotional, uh, neurological capacity, your brain just disconnects and, you, and it, uh, the healing processes will not occur if you can't stay connected. And th- this is what's so interesting is I learned all this later. Uh, Jesus told me the answer before I even understood it. And uh, you know, within several years, uh, you know, more pieces came together and I realized that each one of these people that were totally stuck, each, every single one of them, the reason they were stuck is because they didn't have enough capacity. And we were trying to just push and push and push into the traumatic memory. They didn't have enough capacity. They were unable to stay connected. And just every week we would just try to, and it wasn't about, are they choosing? It wasn't about bitterness. It wasn't about resistance. It wasn't about willingness. If your brain, if, if your, if your brain, mind, spirit system does not have the capacity to stay connected to a, to a big trauma, you simply can't go through it until you grow, grow in capacity. Yeah. And later I realized, oh, every single one of those people, they were stuck because they didn't have enough capacity. And so there was no point in just pushing them, pushing into the traumatic memories. And oh, by the way, just spending time with Jesus is like one of the most powerful things you can do to grow capacity. Yeah. So I, I just, we just did what he said. Like, okay, well, for, until he tells us different, we're going to just every session in each of these bad memory places, we're just going to help you. Uh, we'll, we'll go to get to the close to the memory. And then I'm going to help you connect with Jesus. And then you're just going to spend time with Jesus in that place. And we did that for two, three, five months, depending on which person. And then at, at some point he, he would kind of say, okay, you're ready to go. And every single one of those people, when they took a break, they, they just spent time with Jesus. His presence increased their capacity. And then when they had enough capacity, we went back to the traumatic memory, went right through it. So that, like, that, that piece of the, that was like the original breakthrough that started the whole Emmanuel approach. And that, I do not feel like that was my genius. I mean, I was, I was baffled. I said, that God, was revelation I'm, from God. Yes. I mean, it was. And not big revelation scripture, but little yeah. revelation. I mean, God does talk to us. He does. And I was baffled. I was like, I, I can, I, I cannot figure this out, Lord. I don't know what to do. Can you please help me? And that thought came clear as a bell immediately. And we tried it and it worked. And the rest of the process kind of grew from that initial seed. Okay. So I have to tell you this, Dr. Lehman. So I, um, I was in, I've been in full-time ministry my entire adult life. Okay. And I have had quiet times regularly since I was probably 18 when I became a Christian. And it's just in the last, I don't know, five, six years that I have learned more about connecting with Jesus in real time through the eyes of my heart. Right. When you shut off just your, your control and rational thinking and you sink into your heart. And this, this is, this experience has revolutionized my life and my spiritual walk and my healing. And I want you to explain to our listeners when you say, okay, back away from the trauma and just spend time with Jesus. Can you explain to me how you lead people to do that? And 
any brain science and spiritual truth, which it's not like those two things are separate, (laughs) you know, that goes into how that actually happens, that a person is able to perceive Jesus's presence with them in that moment. Yes. Wonderful. And just your comment about brain science and spiritual truth are not separate. If you think about it, okay, God designed the brain. Yes. So wouldn't it make sense that he would teach us spiritual truth that cooperates with how he designed the brain? I mean, that's just a no brainer to me. If you had an engineer design a car and he was trying to tell you how to operate the car, it would be intelligent to say, Hey, this, this guy designed the car. He probably knows how it runs. Right. And if, if I actually listen to his advice about how to operate the car, it'll probably work better. And to me, that, that just like, yeah, of course, God designed our brain and kind of the whole brain, mind, spirit system. It would make complete sense that biblical truth should be completely 100% consistent with how he created us. So, yeah. I All love right, it. So here we go for some different pieces. You know, the idea, um, you know, this has been pr- pretty widely, there are at least many people are aware of the idea that a lot of problems in the present kind of come from some painful memory. You know, I have panic attacks when I drive. Oh, and they started when I had the accident, it was raining and I, and I lost control and, and then crashed into the tree. And ever since that car accident, I get anxiety attacks when I'm driving and it's those same rainy conditions. Or, oh, you know, I have this terrible fear that my husband, like he'll come home from, from a bowling night with his buddies and he'll have one beer, but I smell alcohol in his breast and I just freak out. Mm-hmm. Oh, and hmm, that's related to my father being alcoholic. And he'd come home and smell like that and tear up the house. You know, the average person gets, oh yeah, old painful memories that are still stuck and unresolved can cause trouble. Yeah. You know, something reminds you of that trauma and then that, that traumatic memory content kind of comes forward and makes a big mess in your living room in the present. So which, that's like, which Dr. Lehman, I just want to interject that our listeners, a lot of them are, are people recovering from a sexual addiction or betrayal trauma. And so for women who have a very recent discovery of their husband cheating, anything that looks like, smells like, seems like what he was acting like when he was cheating yeah. is going to fire the brain to think this is happening again right now, even if it's not. Yes. And on top of that, I could just add one more. And if they have any childhood experience of being betrayed, you know, their dad, their parents got the death, their dad left when, when she was eight. Um, her best friend lied and, you know, stabbed her in the back about something. Now, so on top of that, the, when her husband actually does cheat on her, it's not, that's not just, that's a huge big disaster bomb going off in your living room in the present. Oh, and by the way, that's also going to stir up all of the betrayal, abandonment pain you've had in your entire childhood. Any, any pain that's back there that hasn't been resolved, it's going to be like, okay, we'll put three extra bricks in your backpack while you're trying to deal with the fact that you've just discovered your husband's been unfaithful. Yeah. We're going to also add all the childhood stirred up pain of anything similar. You know, your best friend's betraying you, your, your, your father leaving, whatever. So you know, on top of the one you just described, you also get that you know, that big pain in the present activates anything similar anywhere else in your life. And you get all that in a pile. Yeah. There are actually, there's a part of our brain God designed to do relationships. It's like our relational circuits. They, mm-hmm. they it makes sense. Oh yeah. Relationships is a big deal. You know, the Trinity with each other 
like the whole Bible is about our relationship with God. You know, I, there is uh, a team of Bible scholars has concluded that the central theme of the whole, the central message of the entire Bible is like relationship with God. Yeah. You know, if you had to say, what's the, what's the single biggest point of the entire body of scripture relationship with God and how much there's, and the, the amount of uh, teaching and um, biblical content about relationships with each other if you say relationships with each other and relationships with God, that's, I don't know what percentage, but that's a gigantic portion of the biblical teaching is how to have good relationships between us and God and us and each other. So, oh, big surprise. God actually designed a chunk of your brain whose job it is to do relationships. I mean, there's a, there's a big chunk of your neurology whose job it is to, is to be the hardware for relationships. Well, if those relational circuits are online and active, it's easier to connect with like another person or with God. That makes, oh, yeah, if the hardware God designed to do relationships is online and active, it's going to be easier to connect. And what do you know? Those same circuits seem to be in the middle of our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Well, here's another piece. The, the bad news is, you can turn those relational circuits off. If you're overwhelmed by negative emotions, if you're scared, if you're angry, there's a whole number of conditions, especially if you're stressed out or triggered, that relational part of your brain kind of either dims or turns off altogether. And when that happens, it's extremely difficult to connect with other people or with the Lord. Yeah. The good news is there's, there are simple things you can do to get those relational circuits back on. And one of the simplest is If you think about a positive memory and focus on it and talk about the details until you feel gratitude, that will turn your relational circuits on. So the first thing we do in the Emmanuel approach is I want you to think about a positive memory, close your eyes, picture yourself back inside of it, and describe the details until you can feel gratitude, until you can feel appreciation. That simple little brain science, that's applied brain science. You do that simple step. And it turns those relational circuits of your brain on and it prepares your brain to connect with God. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's the next piece is you, you welcome, you say, okay, Jesus, I welcome you to be here with me in this memory place. Help me to perceive your living presence. And then you just describe whatever comes into your, into your awareness. Here's another piece of applied brain science. Um, There's a, there's parts of your brain that, that help you recognize, oh, this is important, and what does it mean? And uh, sometimes, okay, person, you're in a positive memory, you, you welcome Jesus, and something really dramatic will happen. You, you see it, you sense his presence, or you see his face clearly in front of you. Some of the times, it's real easy and obvious, and you don't need anything extra. But my observation, I, I'm, I'm one of the people who it's not. It's, it's subtle, it's faint. My, my experience of Jesus' presence is usually very subtle, but if I notice those really subtle little things, and I'm, I'm not even sure if they're real, until I describe it out loud to my prayer partner. Yeah. And here's another piece of applied brain science. It just so happens that the parts of your brain that can tell, oh, this is important, and oh, this is what it means, well, they also are in the middle of interacting with another person's face and using language. So, if I do the little prayer and I kind of got this vague image of Jesus's face, I'm not even quite sure. Is that just my imagination? Is that real? If I 
get words to describe it, and then just, and then share that out loud with you. Those two processes, getting language and interacting with you, pull it through the parts of my brain that help me to feel, is that important and what does it mean? So that, that simple thing where we're, you know, anybody who knows about a manual prayer or my teaching, I'm constantly, constantly, constantly saying, okay, describe whatever comes into your awareness, regardless of whether or not it feels important or makes any sense. Just, just observe and just describe it no matter whether, not, whether or not you feel like it's important or you have any idea what it means. And about 50%, I mean, some big percentage of people who initially they say it's not working. I say, okay, well, that may be true. And sometimes, you know, if there's a blockage, it may not work at first and we can troubleshoot, but just humor me. Just describe exactly what's happening and whether or not it seems to be working. And when they actually start describing it, well, I'm just having this thought and I kind of see this little image and three sentences in, they're like, oh, 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 I think maybe, oh. And then some emotions start to connect and they keep describing it. And just that process of observing and describing in detail, whatever happens, kind of trusting, maybe it's important whether or not I can feel it right away. A a whole bunch of people who always before said, this has never worked for me. And they add that piece of applied brain science. They say, oh my goodness, I've done this kind of exercise. This was me. I had done this kind of exercise with devotions, with quiet times, with people's seminars, but they had never included right as it's happening describe it out loud to another person. It's like, oh, just journal or just in your own head. And all this quiet stuff had been happening and I had missed it. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I had been doing that other kind of thing for decades. I mean, I, I had been a Christian for 40 years yeah. before I ever experienced the tangible friendship, interactive presence of Jesus. So I had done this kind of exercise in, you know, like I said, in devotional things, in, in conferences, in seminars. And when I added that one step, of describing out loud right away as it's happening, describing out loud exactly what's coming to my awareness, all of a sudden I discovered, oh my goodness, half the time I do this, something is happening, and I just always been missing it. Yeah. So there's a piece of applied brain science that just helps for people who have subtle experiences. You know, about half of those folks, just that one additional piece, they'll say, oh my goodness, it's it's quiet, but it's real. So. So you mean God wants us to experience healing and his presence in connection with other people. Oh yeah. Another, I, right, I, another one, the whole right. idea of community and he, he designed us. There's like, I have a whole like two hour teaching on God has designed our brains to work in community. There's, yeah. I mean, there's, there's five levels at which our brains have designed been designed to work best in community. I mean, they sort of work by yourself, but I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's two hours of content. Amazing. All the ways your brain has been designed to work best in community. I mean, you know really- what I love about this is we, what, one of our big aspects of our ministry is running groups for men who are struggling with sexual integrity, running groups for betrayed partners. And a lot of people are resistant to the idea of doing some kind of a group like that. They want to be, this is such a private issue, right? Yes, it is. But it's so you vulnerable. really need other people. And, it, and it's so often you hear somebody else say something that you've thought but have never said out loud and it clicks. Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. I'm not yes. the only one. Yes. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. There's, there are all kinds of ways in which our brains have actually been designed neurologically to work best in community. Yeah. So here's another piece. Um, 
our relationships are carried in our memories. You know, if, if you see the difference between some stranger that just says hi to you in, in line at the post office and your husband is that you have thousands of memories with your husband. You have, you have like this uh, history and there's, there's some spiritual phenomena as well, but a big part of how you carry a relationship is, oh, I remember meeting my wife, Charlotte. I remember you know, our dating. I remember writing letters. I remember going on walks. I remember, you know, she'll read books out loud while I do home improvement projects. I remember, you know, we have thousands of memories of being together and our relationship is carried in those memories. Like neurologically, you know, the way your brain carries a relationship is in all those memories. Well, if you, if you think about and talk about a memory, I mean, this, is a, this is a freebie. Oh, this is just a bonus for your listeners. One of the simplest ways to strengthen a friendship, like say your, your marriage relationship, if you spend time thinking about and talking about past positive experiences. Oh, remember that time we visited, you know, our friends in Canada, we were walking out early that morning and we saw the, you know, the birds over the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you remember and refresh a, like if you, if you remember and talk about a positive memory with your spouse, neurologically, that's reinforcing the circuits that carry that positive memory. So when you remember and talk about past positive experiences with your spouse, in your brain, you are strengthening your relationship. You know what's complex about that, though, is there's this thing that we call the photo album effect that happens to betrayed partners. And it's basically goes something like this. After they discover that their husband's been cheating or their, their wife, if it's the man who's been cheated on, every past positive memory comes into question because it's not categorized as, and he was cheating when this happened. It's like yeah. dumping, it's like dumping a whole photo album that's been nicely arranged on the ground and throwing in images of what you've heard that person's done with another woman. Yes. Or, or your guesses about when, or, I mean, the uncertainty, can, yeah. you, you fill in what you think might've been happening. So one of your questions in the little thing you wrote me was, you know, yeah. why is it important to, to address these memories? So there's an example. If you don't get healing for that betrayal trauma, yeah. then that will you know, essentially empty, like you said, the photo album, like previously the, the bank, you know, the, um, the way your brain carries your relationship in all those positive memories. Well, if that photo album effect you just described, which makes complete sense now that you describe it, it that's going to be that's going to empty your bank account. If you're a person who has positive memories of God's presence, and like when I started with this, I didn't have any experiences of sensing God's presence, so I had to just start with just positive memories and say, "Okay, Jesus, help me to perceive your presence here." But for people who have, oh yeah, I have, I've already been experiencing God's presence. I have a handful of really powerful memories of God's tangible presence. Okay, well, then we'll start with those. Because if you go, if you if you pick for your positive memory, that time I was at a conference and I was kind of praying and I had this profound sense of the Father's love and the Father's blessing. And I just, it was just, I felt safe and warmed and surrounded. I felt just, it's, I can't even get words. I felt so safe in his unconditional love. It's just, it's beyond expression. Okay, good. So, Get back inside, the, close your eyes, picture yourself there at the conference, remember that, tell me about the details. If you start with your positive memory of a God experience, like that's the best possible launching place to reconnect with God today is a positive memory, gratitude, 
turn your relational circuits on and use a memory that's a part of your God relationship memory storage you know, collection. And like, it, there's no, um, that's the ideal starting point to reconnect with God today. Mm-hmm. So there you start with a God positive memory. You're, ref- you're neurologically refreshing and reactivating the, the place in your brain that carries your God relationship. Turning your relational circuits on so your brain can connect with God more easily. And in that place, you say, okay, God, help me make the transition from remembering your presence with me to experiencing your, your presence as living and interactive in the present. Mm-hmm. And then you do that thing where you describe to your prayer partner ex- whatever comes into your awareness. And what happens, it's, it's crazy. I mean, most of the time, just, just doing that, the person will say, oh, well, I kind of have a sense, like, I was sort of picturing sort of a still photo, but now I can tell that Jesus's face is kind of reacting. Like when I'm, as I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. I can see his face, like he's alive. He's, there's kind of this living, this living interactive connection. I, I can, it's like when you have a friend, like right now I'm talking to you and the, the, the podcasters can't see this, but I can see your face nodding. And like, I can, by watching your face, I can see that you're listening to me. Like there's, there's contingent back and forth with your facial expressions, with your nodding, with your little, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's that interactive piece. If you have a living friendship, there's this real time interaction that like that, that's a part of contingent, like what your nod is contingent upon what I just said. Mm-hmm. We're going back and forth and our reactions to each other are contingent upon what the other one has just said or done. Mm-hmm. And that happens. The person says, oh my goodness. And they start describing this living interaction with Jesus. And they're having a living, interactive, contingent friendship connection with the presence of Christ. Mm. So we get that in place, you know, positive memory, describe it out loud, use a God memory, ideally, you get that interactive living connection in place. And then we say, okay, Jesus, you're like, the general is now in the room. I'm the lieutenant. Now my job is to get coffee. Like before I was the highest ranking officer and my job was to get the general in the room. Well, the general is now in the room and I say, Jesus, can I get you some coffee? Or the analogy would be, I say, okay, now um, you can, so you can perceive Jesus. Okay, good. So focus on Jesus Yeah. and ask him, what do you want to do today, Lord? And that's like, you talked about an approach to whole life. You know, yeah. some of the times the agenda will be, Hey, I'm having panic attacks. I think that's coming from somewhere. Can you help me get rid of those? They're really disrupting my life. I can't drive my kids to school anymore. You know, and he'll say, yep, that's exactly what, we're, what we want to do today. So if, if the issue for the day is I want to get some healing from my betrayal trauma or from my panic disorder with driving, then you say, okay, Jesus, uh, you're, you're the boss. You know about healing. You understand how our brains are made. Can you take us like, so what's the next step forward for me to get healing? And, just, and for the rest of the session, my job is to say, is Jesus still there? Uh-huh. Okay. Focus on Jesus. Yeah. And I ask him, what's the next step forward? And then tell me what happens. And that's something a lay person, I can teach a lay person how to do that. Okay. Ask the recipient, is Jesus still there? Uh-huh. Tell him to focus on Jesus. Ask him for guidance and help. And then report what happens. And then you let them go for a few minutes. You can see them interacting. The person says, oh, yeah, well, now, okay, oh, yeah, I'm going to the memory. And I can, I can see the memory there. You know, okay. Can you see Jesus in the memory? Because that's one of the, one of the key pieces is yeah. a, a part of trauma is you don't feel somebody there with you on your side. That's almost a universal part of trauma. So then the first thing you do when you get to a bad memory is, okay, can you see Jesus in the memory there with you? No. 
Okay, that's now I'm I'm so the general is no longer in the room. It's my job to help the person reconnect, right? So, yeah. so there you are. You're in the memory. There you are in the in the, the you're driving and it's raining and you just start to lose control. Okay, so Jesus, we know you were there. I welcome your presence. Can you help me to perceive you? Ah, oh, there he is. He's sitting in the passenger. Like I'm still kind of in the I'm in the middle of the accident, but Jesus is right there beside me. Okay, the general's back in the room. Say, okay, focus on Jesus. Ask him, how can I cooperate with your healing for this trauma? Mm. Tell me what happens. And that's, there's just, there's a few strategic things the facilitator does, but mostly you just coach the person to engage directly with Jesus. And he's the primary therapist. You're the assistant. So there's- I love that. I love that. I have, um, I took my leaders of my small groups and I explained the basic principles of Emmanuel approach and kind of gave them a flow chart that uh, Daryl Brazel had written out of how yes. to, yeah, how to, how to use it in a small group context. And I sent them into separate rooms, like uh, groups of three, and they facilitated it with each other. They had just learned about it. Yep. And the majority of them had profound experiences just like that. It was, it's amazing. It's crazy. I love it. I love it because oh. Jesus wants to make himself known to all of us. So when there's something oh. blocking it, it's something with me, not with him. It's not that he doesn't want to, but he yes. wants to get me to that. Whatever the barrier is, he wants to remove it. Yes. And I've done this. I mean, I've done thousands of sessions, literally, well, actually probably yeah. tens of thousands, with, thousands, with a thousand people. And Zero times when there's been a problem, when the person loses the connection with Jesus in the middle of the session or initially they can't get a connection, zero times has it been, oh, Jesus just doesn't want to talk to me. Right. A hundred percent. We troubleshoot for, you know, some, some people have really complicated, difficult blockages and they have horrible trauma and they've got, you know, some pastor who is holding a Bible was molesting them while quoting scripture. I mean, so some yeah. people have blockages that don't move in an hour. Right. But eventually we figure all that out. We get that all unraveled and they say, oh my gosh. Yeah, I can see. Here's the guy who is molesting me by holding the Bible. And Jesus is on the other side of me. And he's not, I can feel they're different. And Jesus is on my side. And I can feel that he loves me. And he, he doesn't think I'm dirty. And I can, I can see Jesus. He's right here beside me. And he's not the guy who molested me. And oh my goodness, they're different and they're not the same. And Jesus is good and he's on my side. He's safe and he's wonderful. And hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, the person says, I can't perceive Jesus. And we figure out what the problem is and move it. And they say, oh my goodness, now I can perceive his presence. Yeah, 100%. It's been something in the way on my heart. Zero times has it been Oh, well, Jesus, just you're the one person in Illinois that Jesus doesn't want to talk to. <laughs> the one person on the planet. You yeah. know, it's like, nope, that's, that has never happened. A hundred percent. If it doesn't work, there's a problem on your side. Hey friends, I hope you've enjoyed part one of Kristen's interview with Dr. Carl Lehman. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss part two coming up in a couple of weeks.